Welcome to the Be Ruthless Show, where we have the conversations that other people don't, the conversations that other people won't. I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and I'm ready to make a lot of noise and disrupt things ruthlessly. Thanks for being here today. Now let's get to it. Welcome back to the Be Ruthless Show. I'm your host, Sam Ruth, and joining me today is Dr. Bobby Pellant. And before we get started, I just want to say happy 54th anniversary to my parents. And today is my nine-year anniversary with Jim, who I feel like, you know, just yesterday, 10 years ago, he flew across the country to reconnect in Michigan. So those who know my show and know me know this is a day for me. So thanks for sharing it with me. Congratulations. It Thank is you. a best-selling day at eight o'clock in the morning for me, 10 o'clock for you. Congratulations. You. Searching for sea glass. How, how at 10 o'clock in the morning is this already a oh. best-selling book? Should we talk about the work leading up to this going into it? I um, was fortunate enough to seek out several partners that I featured in the book through some practices that I went into. And so many of them, and like you, Sam, have stepped up to the plate, has interviewed me, featured me in their magazines, shared my posts, helped with my website, my landing pages. And even the publisher, Kate Butler, who has many, many books under her belt, texted me at 8, 8.30 my time, which I live on the East Coast, and she said, this is trending out of, off the charts. So it's just getting started. It's been a crazy morning for me already, um, but I wanted to honor you and your parents for taking the time out of your special day to share with me. So I really appreciate you. This, you know, for those who are not authors, there is so much work that goes in for, I don't know about you, could be years. For me, it's years, right? <laughs> um, and so many who support us behind the scenes. And yeah. um, I know so many in my community love Kate dearly. So she's probably been supporting and doing work behind the scenes for weeks. So exactly. <laughs> this is actually my sixth book. Um, all my other books have either been anthologies, you know, I've only written a chapter or they've been business books or textbooks. So I've really never had to take on the sole kind of burden to promote. Um, and I think that's what people don't realize is that we don't get we don't make a lot of money as an author. We don't get a lot of money from the sales of our book. But I went into it knowing full well that this isn't going to really help me with my business necessarily or my brand. But it was really an opportunity for me to get some of my authenticity out, to get some of the trauma out of my my system, my you know, get my voice heard, tell my story in my way. And to also help anybody else that needs to hear what I've been through and what worked for me as far as a healing modality versus, you know, um, talk, just talk therapy. Cause I go, I run the gamut of everything. So I feel that this book started with being about me, but it ended up being so much bigger than I can ever imagine. I love that you said that there are so many people who say I'm not an author um, I, I don't have a story, you oh. know, and I was writing to heal 
I was right. I write letters to Jim every day. Uh, and Kate said to me, people need to hear this, right? And I have a few clients right now who I'm saying, people need to hear this. And they're exactly. saying the same thing. You know, I don't have a story. So whatever you're going through, if if you're writing to heal, if you are telling a story to heal, you don't have to be an author. It, it might not be what, what you, your vision doesn't have to be best-selling. You know, this, this is about healing and it is such a therapeutic process. It is. It really is, um, Sam. And I found this out when I wrote a chapter in Women Who Empower, also a Kate Butler book. And I had held that shame of my childhood having going from riches to rags, growing up in 1980, moving to northern Wisconsin, a family of six, I have three younger brothers, to no running water. And so that was so shameful for me that I held it in my body for 40 some years. And it affected me every single day on how I showed up because I was hiding such a big part of who I was. And it was only through writing that book, putting it out in the universe, having it become a number one bestseller and number one international bestseller and two or three countries, I can't even remember, that it freed me, it liberated me. And that was the final piece of what I needed to do to heal. So that's why I took on another book. Because <laughs> I'm like, if I could heal this much from that one, what happens if I wrote a memoir? It's so interesting that you say that in my talk in New Jersey, just less than two weeks ago, I was saying, you know, the reason truth and authenticity is so important to me is because I wasn't allowed to talk about the family secret. It, it, right. It's my life. It's not my secret, but I wasn't allowed to talk about it. And Kate said afterwards, I know your story. I've known it for years, but I never connected those parts. Um, right. and, and it's true. Hiding things shows up in some other place in our life. And it's just not healthy. For sure. For sure. Um, and I read a study. Um, it has to do with the fear of dread. Um, but I'm, I'm sure I could find a study on the fear of shame or, you know, holding things in. Mm -hmm. But this Harvard study said that the feeling of fear or dread only takes one tenth of a second for us to like encapture it in our body. But based on our cellular memory, it can stay there for a lifetime. And now there's studies shown that as women, if we're carrying babies, some of our feelings such as anxiety or depression or shame or fear, some of that cellular DNA can get passed on to our children. So it's really important that Everybody out there realizes it's never too late to go through your own process. When I wrote this book, I just wanted to be a memoir about my ups and downs of life. But as you know, the whole second half is looking at all these different modalities. And I, I use the word healing, but I don't want anybody out there to think any of us are broken I, I we use it because it's a common term for, you know, getting through whatever we need to get through to get to that other side to break free of whatever we're going, you know, feeling or going through. However, I, I truly believe that if we can go through it, 
and we can get to the other side, that's when we start to show up more authentically in integrity and in our soul, you know, who we're meant to be on this earth. So I, I hear you. I hear you, sister. You know, we're, <laughs> we're told and conditioned by our culture in America that we're not supposed to be talking about these things. But the minute we start talking about them, we realize that we're not alone. That while somebody didn't go through that same thing of growing up in the 80s without running water, somebody grew up in poverty and it was just as traumatic for them not to have food on their table. So there's always a common bond that links us together. It's just when we voice it, we're finding those connections more freely. Absolutely. I literally just said this on my podcast, <laughs> literally. And we then connect with people. We know we're not alone. We give others the power and the permission to share what they're going through. Yeah. And, and I love what you just said about healing, because I say the same thing um, with grieving. I use the word healing because grieving, I feel like it makes people feel like they're stuck in that place. And yeah. we want to get out of there. We want to move forward, but we are absolutely not broken. It's the world. It's it's the people looking at it as if there's something negative. You know, we're the ones who have. Oopsie. I was going to say technological glitches. I, <laughs> I don't know if it's me or you. No, it's Jim. <laughs> he, he likes to say hi sometimes <laughs> that's okay hi <laughs> uh you know but i really really for anyone who is thinking that there's something wrong with sharing or saying you're having a rough day or saying you're going through something the world the culture, the people around us, we just haven't been taught the correct way, the healthy way, the right way. And so if you are inclined, if you have the, the voice, you know, be the one, because it's the people around us that, that, you know, they're, they just weren't taught. They're doing right. the best they can. Or we were taught to put on your big girl panties and buck, buck it up boys don't cry, men don't show emotions, you know, think of all those stigmas that come up with, we're not talking about that. This is within the family. It's, it, you know, this is between us and let's just move on. And then as you know, it might have happened to us as children. So then we hold this in us our entire life. And then, you know, we start struggling with other things that are piled on us in this lovely life we lead. And we never heal from the original, I say, trauma or trigger or what, you know, event that happens. And it just keeps piling up and up and up. And I just want your listeners to know that it is a hard process if you go deep in inner, not to scare people. However, it is so worth it to take the time and to to be on your timeline, don't have preconceived expectations that I'm only going to grieve. I'm going to heal within three months. I'm going to see my therapist for this much. I'm going to do this for two months or a year or five years. I've seen people heal in a day 
through some of the therapies that I'm talking about. And then others take years and years and years. And there's no right or wrong answer. It's just what works for you. And there were things in my books that I talked that I my book that I talked about that didn't work for me, but I wanted to include them because what if it worked for somebody else? Absolutely. And literally, I had someone yesterday say, I'm at X amount of time. I'm at this many months. Am I there yet? Right? We want right. to speed it up. We have these preconceived timelines. Yes. And the world has these, these imaginary timelines that we're supposed to be somewhere by some time. Right. And it's different for everyone. And I will tell you that the world said I took too long. And, oh. and look at where I am now. Right. And I still cry every day. Right? Like, we have to accept where we are. Absolutely. And, and embrace where we are. Right. I would not be here. Right. I would not. Grief Hab wouldn't exist if I did it anyone else's way. Amen. Amen. I hear you because another thing too, just to go back to what I alluded to earlier is we might be carrying something in ourselves from our ancestors or our mother or our father. I mean, there's so much of cellular DNA and memory now that scientists are just starting to discover and, and the stories that we have in our brains and the biochemicals and the, you know, I, I could go on and on. So we have to hold ourselves in compassion and grace because this is our own path. And we might look to others and say, oh, well, they did it in this comparison model. But just give yourself a big hug and say, I'm doing it. And however long or however short it takes me, high five, right? I love you. I hold you in compassion and empathy. And you're on your journey and you're on your, you know, your path to where you need to be when you need to be there. Everything and, happens for a reason. <laughs> and they're getting noise and feedback and judgment also. Right. It look it looks it looks a certain way to us, but I promise you they're they're being told to do it a different way as oh, well. Oh, for sure. And <laughs> another another thing is not only are we doing hearing externally from our friends, our family, our significant others, you know, people on the street, the news channels, you know, we have all this external chatter. But the biggest thing is the stories we make up in our mind and our belief system around that. And once we get something anchored in our mind, it's a bias. We need to only grieve for one year. We, If we lose somebody, think of back in the 20s. You wear black. The, the widow, the female widower, wears black for one year. And after one year, they take that off. And they're supposed to be happy again. So, you know, some of this has been around for generations and generations. And none of it is necessarily true for individuals. So we need to open up our mind and say, it's okay if it takes three years or 10 years or 20 years. Um, and, and many times the feelings that are associated with negative things like grief, anger, sadness, frustration, rage, you know, all of those kind of negative feelings, we want to push through them. But what happens is we, we push through them and then they come back and rear their ugly head, right? <laughs> and, and we realize that we have a lot more work to do because we went through it too fast. So 
It's almost like we have to take a couple steps back to, to do what we need to do. And crying is also a negative emotion, right? And I think crying is one of the best things that can happen to us because we're getting it out of our body. And th that's what I was like, avoiding it makes it worse, oh. makes it harder, makes it last longer. Uh, so it's not fun. Like you said, it can be painful and finding the people you feel comfortable getting through that with, right? right. There, there are people who won't be the, the right. most supportive, right? And those aren't the people who you want to cry around. That right. doesn't mean you have to remove them from your life, but those aren't the people you call and have that, that day with. You are 100%. You will always have somebody within your immediate family or sibling or a cousin that you're very close to, but they just don't vibe with you. And so therefore you love them. However, you have to find somebody within that grief or that traumatic or that trigger or whatever we're calling it that you can really resonate. And I, I call them my soul family or my sisters or my brothers who were operating on an energetic frequency that we really relate to each other because we've either walked in each other's shoes at some point, we've been to through similar events, or we've just moved, we're on the same pathway parallel in the process. And it can be overwhelming. It can be scary. It can, it can feel like the biggest, biggest jump to oh. let someone new in when you're in that place, whether it's grief, anxiety, you know, that can, that can feel like one thing too many when you're already going through so much, but it's part of the way through it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I think everybody goes through this fear, um, even as an author, even holding this book in my hand, I'm like looking through the chapter saying, oh my gosh, is somebody going to judge me because of this? You know, is, what are they going to say about this? Or, you know, is this event did I make this up in my mind or is this an accurate way that this ha happened? And then you have to just say, listen, this is to the best of my ability that this is my story. Everybody doesn't have to agree with it, but I was authentic, raw, honest as I could be. And without the fear of jumping and finding those people and being vulnerable and being open, you risk closing yourself down and suppressing it like you had said. And that will always have an effect on your physical body. So I don't know in your book, in your journey, my, I, my, I call them my tribe knows that I, um, I removed any and all toxins and that included people, right? So yes, it, there, there were some that took me a little bit too long. I had the stories um, that they were a connection to Jim and I needed to keep them in my universe. But now, it, you know, if somebody is not healthy for me, if somebody has a negative energy, if somebody is toxic, they are not in my world. We have black buttons. <laughs> we have ways to, you know, I really, truly do not let them in or I remove them uh, because I life is difficult enough and I don't want things that could be 
bringing my energy or my vibration down. So I don't know if that happened in your story. Absolutely. I mean, I think early on in my story, just the way that I was behaving because I wasn't dealing with some of this stuff in my body, um, I forced people all in a non-loving way. And so, you know, I would do something to alienate them. And I wasn't sorry for it because I was just on my, you know, I was in my head and I was ego driven and I was doing this and I could care less about anybody else. Now, as you said, Sam, it is so much of a conscious choice to choose who's going to be in my circle. And if those people that come into my circle, and I literally sage myself in the mornings, usually in my circle, saying that anybody being or energy that is for me and for my highest purpose, I'm allowing in. Anybody who does not have my highest purpose or my highest purpose in their best interest, I ask that they turn away from me. So I feel like it's not me pushing them away, but they just kind of on their own turn away. I love that. Yeah. yeah. They're still, they're, they're still like I was caught in a storm, right? There's still natural things we can't control traffic. You know, there are still things that happen that I, you know, I will, if I don't have sage with me, I will use my tools, my affirmation. I mean, I was literally in the back seat going, I am so happy and grateful we made it to Crystal's Gate safely and live. Like I will do what I have to do to battle that negative world out there. Absolutely. And I think one of the things, you know, I just had an incident that I had a really hard life lesson that I needed to kind of learn with another person. And the first thing that hit me was like, oh my gosh, how could this person do this to me? How could, you know, I got, I, I went into the victim role and I had to sit, sit back and change my language and not through affirmations, which I use m most of the time, but I changed it. And I just had to center myself and sit in love and light because I have no idea what that person's going through. And I have no idea what type of work, healing, if any, this person has done. So I was judging them on how they were transferring their trigger, their trauma onto me. But when you hold somebody in love and compassion and realize that we are all struggling, some of us are more vocal about it than others, and we can write about it or we can speak about it on a podcast and just, you know, sometimes it's TMI. But I'm sure that this individual was going through some really deep stuff. And the minute I didn't make it about me, but I made that made it about them in a loving way, anything in my body, any anger, any frustration, any victim hood that I was mode that I was feeling instantly pretty much went away. Mm -hmm. And so we have to look at people and we have to be careful of how we're taking on other people's emotions, reactions, behaviors, expectations, because um, as you know, Jack Canfield, he's always the E plus R equals O guy. 
There's an event, there's a response, and then there's an outcome. And the only thing that we can control is our response or our reaction. And many times that is in our head. And if we just reframe it a little bit, we don't have to go through that suffering that would make, you know, I could have held on to that for another year. And now if I see this individual, there'll be no, there's nothing there because I just have love and compassion and empathy because you never know what somebody's going through. That's, and I'm telling myself, there's always a lesson. There's always a lesson. We, my flight was canceled. I had, I think it was about three minutes. I had about three minutes and, and let's talk about Kate. Yeah. <laughs> talked about this on stage. I literally, I was with her kids. We were at this event. I said, Bella, does mom get crabby? Like, does mom swear? Has mom had a, mo please tell me she's human because I don't see her have those three minutes. Right. <laughs> she goes right to the, like right to the calm. So I was proud of myself. I had about three minutes where I was like, my flight's canceled. Oh my God. Like, are my dogs okay? Got to check in, make sure my dogs are okay. Got to, got to get in touch with my clients and rearrange. And then I was like, okay, let's go to the beach. Right? Like, let's, let's have a fun day. But I had those 108, like I had, I had to take care of business first. And then my response was, Let, let's have fun. But, but there are people who, who like don't have that three minutes. And I'm like, I want to get there. Yeah. But my response was make sure life is okay. Make sure my dogs have a human with them. Make sure my clients know I didn't <laughs> disappear and abandon yeah. them. And then I cannot do anything about this. Enjoy my day. Change my response. Um, present moment. Present right. moment. Right. But I do, I look at those people who, like Jack and Kate who, who, who go right to the nothing we can do, enjoy the moment. And I'm like, how do you skip that 180 seconds? <laughs> I don't exactly. get it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a daily, sometimes it seems like minute to minute practice. Some days, right? right. right now, it's like, okay, what else can hit us now, right? Coming up, there's like nine planets in retrograde. And I'm like, okay, hang on, people. Because and I think at the end of this month or September, and I'm like, what, you know, I have to be prepared for everything. I got to meditate, get my sound bowls, get my crystals, get every anything out of my healing kit that I can to be grounded and centered. Because I tend to amp it up and transfer emotions and become very sensitive to everything. Sound, people, lights. And I, I just completely, you know, it's we're humans, right? But there, there is all we can change that response. I could have been out of whack for that entire day. My week, it did throw my entire week off, right? I lost a day and a half, right? Like my entire schedule was thrown off. I couldn't do much about it. I got to spend a full day with people I wouldn't have been with, right? Like, you know, great things happened that wouldn't have. So I really, that's how I have to look at it because there's there's nothing I could have done about it. It did throw me off, my sleep off, a lot of things. That's a fact. Absolutely, yeah. And we have to look at, like you said, not only what the lesson is in this, but 
are you were you supposed to spend those that day or that night or those times with those individuals and what came out of that interaction yep. that would not have if you would have you know been on schedule right say so that's where the universe and life sends us these little nudges to pay attention it's not you had this expectation of this happening but we're just going to throw you over here because this is where you need to be and you can either struggle against it or you can go with flow and ease and and it's just an embodiment of teaching retraining ourselves how to go with flow and ease versus struggle and 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 tension and and there are people in my life in my world who would have that tension and live in that pain angst angst too yeah it's like yes and if you're able to and i would laugh at this me right like i still old sam would laugh at these things i do now like sitting in the back seat saying affirmations i would laugh at me but if you're willing to try it and see if anything in your own life changes you don't have to trust me give it a shot it's life-changing it really and that's what i i was in so much pain without jim that i said if you told me standing on my head would help me I will do it. So I did. And things changed. So now I live this way and I don't go a day without meditating. I don't go a day without doing these practices because my life is more angsty and more stressful when I, when I don't have them. Yeah. And I think that's why this book kind of transitioned from half memoir to half personal development, spirituality, non-traditional modalities, crystals, breath work, meditation, you know, plant medicine. I I talked about that from an academic and research-based background. Um, Yeah. Um, And the reason I did that is because talk therapy is, you know, something that our insurance usually pays for. And people go that's one of the first modalities that they go to. And many times it doesn't help to go to a psychologist, to go to a therapy. That's what I'm talking about, Sam. And, and you have your six sessions or your seven sessions, and then you're, you know, good for that year and until your insurance renews again. Right. And people, all they do is talk, but there's nothing that they take home to help them when the going gets tough or they get triggered at home. And, So I did talk therapy, you know, I did talk therapy with the same person for many, many years. I tried different people. Then I tried, you know, exercise and I tried staying busy. I mean, I went through pretty much every single modality out there, um, including some really far based ones. And as you know, I'm a professor of business. I've been a professor of business for 26 years. I have my doctorate in leadership and a postdoc from Harvard. And for me, it came to a point in my life that I'm going to start talking about some of this, these things that I'm doing now in my 50s without any stigma attached because I have the credentials, I've done the research, I've tied it back 
into clinical trials with PTSD and grief and addiction and um, veterans that, you know, there's substantial stuff out there for people that it needs to be needs to be known. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not condoning anybody do anything, especially in some of these cases, it's not necessarily legal here in the United States. But as you know, some of the psilocybin research is now coming to the states that we have a few um, states that are legalizing it. And many times under clinical conditions, um, people are treated. Now, that has never been the medicine of choice for me. I've tried it a few times and it just is not for me. I'm very, very sensitive to it. So I just wrote a little bit about it in the book. And, you know, I, I live my experience and I said, no, no, thank you next. And let's see what else I can try. But for other people, if you go and look deep on the Johns Hopkins research and um, the National Institute of Health, which I, you know, I, I um, footnote in my book, there is some really good research coming out of there to help some people that are dealing with some pretty deep traumas. So, yeah, I just lay, I'm laying it all out there <laughs> without any fear of judgment or fear of my university or anything, because I think that if we have a stigma of trying things to get us from through whatever we're dealing with, that's even worse than holding it in, <laughs> holding that trauma in. So I was kind of, I felt like I was a guinea pig. It's like, I'm going to try it, you know, as much as I can. And then I'm going to say, well, this worked for me. This didn't work for me. Of course, I'm not a medical doctor. I just want your listeners and viewers to know. And I do have a ton of disclaimers in my book. Um, but I want people, you know, to realize that if there's something that's not working, look someplace else. And like you said, affirmations, right? We all think that this is woo-woo stuff that we're talking about and meditation and standing on our heads. I I was the same with you. I was so sick and tired, Sam, of being sick and tired that I would have done anything at least once to try to get to the other side, which means healing through whatever I needed to get through. I didn't care how long it took. I just knew that I was not going to be stuck in this position because I didn't like the way I felt. I didn't like the way I was behaving. I didn't like the way I was showing up for my family, my my children, my friends, my boyfriend, whoever. And so, you know, pe- there were a lot of people that judged me for doing this and they don't understand me. That's fine. It, some worked for me, some didn't. And I'm a happier person because of it. And I think I've healed a lot of my... Um, traumas, triggers, events that has happened, my cellular DNA, right? We cut off, like you said, we clear our body physically by cutting out sugar, dairy, whatever we're cutting out. But then we also have to cut out people if that's something that's causing us stress. But I love what you just said. And I love that you said with academic research, I have a client who is seeing someone highly supervised, Yes. Um, Someone I respect and I would refer to. There are several doctors who are not supervising. You know, you have to do your research and find someone. um, Yes. No different than any other field, right? You have to do your research and find the right person. 
Uh, I'm like you, I'm very sensitive. It's not for me, but I have someone with post-traumatic stress who was close to going inpatient. You know, we were, we were close to the hospital and she is doing amazing. So um, I've, I've seen it personally wonders with the right facility and supervision. And thank you for bringing that up because I just want to let the listeners know as well that um, I'm, I went into this pretty natural based. I don't do sugar, gluten. I do a little bit of caffeine. I don't do meat. Um, I had all my mercury, you know, taken out of my teeth. Like I'm pretty holistic. So what was really important for me, and there's no judgment for others out there is I didn't want to take a pharmaceutical. I did not want to do synthetic drugs. Um, you know, I didn't want to be put on, um, Valium or um, a serotonin uptake. I am not saying that there's anything wrong with that as long as you do it super, in a supervised setting or with a medical physician. But I also went into some of these alternative medicines, not doing it for the high or recreationally. I did it in a ceremony that this is a natural plant. It is a healing plant from indigenous cultures in Colombia or Brazil or wherever I was sitting in. And even with the psilocybin, I did it in a really reverent place, ceremony, with somebody sitting with me that was not in the medicine in a controlled, supervised environment. And I always say, if you do it recreationally, you're doing it to escape something. And believe me, I was there. I've used alcohol as a recreation. I've used working to, you know, to try to temper everything down. I've used, uh, when I was younger, promiscuity, you know, just dating a lot. There's a a number of things that we can kind of get addicted to shopping, having the next, you know, Chanel bag. I had to get that Chanel bag. And then what else did I have to get? But this was really done with studying natural alternative therapies and really embracing the culture where I was sitting in ceremony with. So I just, I, and like I said, I don't have any judgment with whatever anybody wants to do because I think it can help millions of people. But that was kind of where I was coming through in this book. So some of the things like ketamine, I have not tried, um, but I heard I've done the research on it, right? I did not talk about anything that I physically did not do. So I didn't talk a lot about any of the pharmaceuticals that we get prescribed from doctors because I'm, I wasn't on any and I didn't try them. Um, so this was more of a natural you know, talk therapy, crystals, sound bath, yoga, and then into some of the plant and animal medicines as well. Where is the book available? So it just launched today, as you know, Um, it is on Amazon. What I will do is I know that this doesn't um, air till later tonight. I will send a link to the listeners that if you go on Amazon and purchase, I will give you three bonuses. You can either choose from like a business success bonus because a lot of my healing, when I healed myself, my business just took off and my best year was during COVID. If you can believe it, I had five companies going at one time during COVID (laughs) and, or if you want to really get more spiritually based and spirit to me is not a religion. It's just, 
any type of belief that people have. I'll put the link in there too, that when you purchase the book, you'll get three bonuses, a masterclass with me, videos, PDFs, and things like that, that you can even dive deeper. But you can go to Amazon searching for Seaglass. But if you go to the link at the bottom of this, when you see it, you'll get those extra bonuses from me. Where can people connect with you and learn more? Yeah, so I go by Bobby, but my real name is Roberta. I'm on Facebook, I believe, as Bobby Pellin. So connect with me there. Uh, LinkedIn is a primary business place that people can find me at. I think I'm under Dr. Roberta Pellin. And then my website is robertapellant.com. So reach out to me any way that you can. I would love to just hear more about your journey too. Even if you read the book, drop a line, tag me on your Facebook or whatever, so I can go in and comment. I really am doing this because I put my intention out there that somebody out there is struggling and they need to read even a few lines of something that I've written to make them go forward on their journey of healing. They do. It's a beautiful, beautiful cover, beautiful story. Um, I know, I know the team who was yeah. involved and I love that it launched today connected in so many ways. Any and it's, and it's a, just for the listeners out there, I have goosebumps right now, not only anniversary, right? It's also a new moon and the new moon. We set our intentions for manifesting the biggest and the greatest and the highest purpose. So it was, it's such an auspicious day on many, in many ways for you and I both, but also for us collectively. I love that. Right. Words. Yeah, I have to get us give a shout out to Jack Canfield, a co-creator of Chicken Soup for the Soul series, and also the Success Principles. He knows me both from a professional business kind of place because we both, you know, he went to Harvard and we have a lot of things in common. But he also knows me from this spiritual, you know, modalities affirmations e plus r equals o so he was so gracious and kind to write me the foreword of the book and um, i'm just grateful for anybody who's contributed and put me in their limelight and thank you thank you thank you sam thank you jack canfield it is having another live event for they haven't haven't been happening after COVID uh, in October. Anyone listening, it's in Newport Beach in California. I will be there. Will you? I don't know yet because I am jumping spirals and I have something else kind of in the background. So stay tuned. And <laughs> like the last chapter of my book says to be continued because it's not yet written. Thank you to everyone for joining us. Get Dr. Bobby Pellant's book on Amazon, Searching for Sea Glass. And until next time, Always be ruthless. Thanks so much for listening today. Your support means everything to me, truly. If this podcast resonates with you, please do me a favor and join in the ruthless movement by making some noise and doing one of these four things. Subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Tell a friend so we can break stigmas even faster. Leave a review so people can see what you think of the show. And last, if you want to learn more about me and be a part of the Grief Hub community, please head on over to the Facebook group. We'd love to have you. 
Thanks again for spending your time with us and see you next week.